We're now heading over to questions to the Prime Minister. And we start with question one from Anna McMoran. Question number one, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others in addition to my duties in this House. I shall have further such meetings later today. Anna McMoran. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I am shocked and angered at workers in UK clothing factories like Boohoo being paid a mere £3.50 an hour and being forced to work in totally unacceptable conditions. In the 21st century, there must be no room for exploitation and modern slavery. We must call time on fast fashion for the sake of people and our planet. So my question is simple, Mr Speaker. What will the Prime Minister do about it? Mr Speaker, first of all, it's this Conservative Government that set up uh, laws against uh, modern slavery. It's this Conservative Government, uh, this Conservative Government that massively increased the uh, living wage, not an instituted the living wage, but massively increased it. And we would hope that it would be the Labour Mayor of Leicester uh, who would stand up for the interests of the workforce in his community. And that's what we will do. We're heading to the shadows of Litchfield Cathedral with Michael Fabricant. Michael Fabricant. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And it's not just the 800-year-old Litchfield Cathedral that we have. We've also got the beautiful leafy lanes, wonderful restaurants and bars. But I'll tell you what we also have, and that is the Litchfield Garrick, which is a a major theatre in the area, the Harbour St. Mary's. And so what I'd like to know is this. I welcome the £1.7 billion grant that's being given to support our theatres and performing artists. Are we going to see any of it at all outside of the West End and here in Litchfield? Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I, can, I, I thank my right honourable friend. I can tell him that uh, Litchfield has been at the centre of our cultural life uh, since Dr Johnson and uh, David Garrick made their famous walk and ride uh, from Litchfield to, to London in the, in the 18th century and will continue uh, to be so. And we are working closely with Arts Council England to support and develop the projects that I know are so dear to his heart. Let us head to lead of the opposition with the right on Keir Starmer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. On Monday, when asked why care home deaths had been so high, the Prime Minister said, and I quote, too many care homes didn't really follow the procedures in the way that they could have. That's caused huge offence to frontline care workers. It's now been 48 hours. Will the Prime Minister apologise to care workers? I'm grateful to the Right Honourable Gentleman. And the last thing I want to do is to uh, blame care workers for what has happened or for any of them uh, to think that I was blaming them because they worked hard, uh, incredibly hard throughout this crisis, looking after some of the most vulnerable people in our country and doing an outstanding job. And as he knows, tragically, uh, 257 of them have, have lost their lives. And when it comes to uh, taking blame, I take full responsibility uh, for what has happened. But the one thing that nobody knew early on during this pandemic was that the virus was being passed asymptomatically from person to person in the way that it is. And that's why the guidance and the uh, procedures changed. And it's thanks to the hard work of care workers that we've now got uh, incidents down in our care homes, uh, outbreaks down in our care homes to the lowest level since the crisis began. That's thanks uh, to our care workers. And I pay tribute to them. Here's Mr Speaker, that's not an apology. 
and it just won't wash. The Prime Minister said, his words, too many care homes didn't really follow the procedures in the way that they could have. It was clear what he was saying. And the Prime Minister must understand just how raw this is for many people on the front line and for those, Mr Speaker, who've lost loved ones. I quote Mark Adams, who runs a social care charity, who spoke yesterday. He said this, you've got 1.6 million social care workers going into work to protect our parents, our grandparents, our children, putting their own health and potentially lives at risk. And then, to get perhaps the most senior man in the country turning round and blaming them on what has been an absolute travesty of leadership from the government, I just think it's appalling. They're his words. Ask the Prime Minister again, will he apologise to care workers, yes or no? Speaker, he, he keeps saying that I blamed or tried to blame uh, care workers, and that is simply not the case. The, the, reality is, the reality is that we now know things about the way a coronavirus is passed from person to person without symptoms that we just didn't know. That's why uh, we instituted the Care Home Action Plan on, on April the, uh, the 15th. That's why uh, we, we, we changed the, uh, the procedures. And perhaps he, perhaps he did know. Uh, that it was being transmitted asymptomatically. I didn't hear it at the time. Perhaps Captain Hindsight would like to tell us uh, whether he knew uh, that it was being transmitted asymptomatically. Of course, it was necessary to change our procedures. I want to thank uh, our care workers for what they have done, and this government will continue to invest massively in our care homes, in our care workers. And by the way, it's this government that put up, as I said just now, this government that put up the living wage by record amounts. And that is something that we can do directly to help every care worker in the country. By refusing to apologise, the Prime Minister rubs salt into the wounds of the very people that he stood at his front door and clapped. The Prime Minister and the Health Secretary must be the only people left in the country who think that they put a protective ring around care homes. Those on the front line know that that wasn't the case. I quote one care home manager from ITN News yesterday. She said this, I'm absolutely livid at the fact that he says we didn't follow the procedures because the care assistants, the nurses, everyone in the care home have worked so hard and then he's got the audacity to blame us. Her words. What would the Prime Minister like to say to that care home manager? What I would like to say to uh, the lady in question and indeed to every care home worker in the country is that this government appreciates the incredible work that they have done. We thank them for the incredible work they have done. And let me say further that we will invest in our care homes and we will reform the care home sector. And I hope, by the way, Mr Speaker, that we'll do it on the basis of cross-party consensus and get a lasting solution uh, to the problems in our care homes and the difficulties many people face in funding the cost of of their old age. That's what we want to do. That's what this government is pledged to do after 30 years of inaction. And I hope that he will join us in doing it. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I gently point out uh, that uh, his government has been in power for 10 years with no plan and no white paper. Of course, we'll join in plans for reforming health care, but uh, for social care, but 10 years wasted. The reality is this. More than 19,000 care home residents have died from COVID-19. It's a far higher number when you include excess deaths. Overall, around 1 in 20 care home residents are estimated to have died from the virus. 1 in 20. It's chilling. These are extraordinary numbers. Yet the Prime Minister has consistently ducked responsibility for this. 
Will he accept? Will he accept? It isn't care workers who are to blame. It's his government. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I, I don't know. I think he's got, he's got the old, old vice of reading out the, the pre-prepared question without listening to the to the answer I've just I've just given. Uh, I I I I've made it absolutely clear that this government takes responsibility for everything that we've done uh, throughout, this, throughout this crisis. And, uh, and of course I pay tribute once again to the work of every care worker in the country and I thank them. Uh, but what we've also done is put forward a care home action plan that has helped our care workers, our care home industry, to get the incidence of coronavirus right down uh, in, in every care home in the country uh, to, to the lowest level. And we're now putting in, we're now putting in monthly testing uh, for every resident in our care home and weekly testing for every care home worker. And that is, to the thanks, and that is thanks to the fantastic efforts of everybody involved in NHS testing and tracing. And I think, by the way, he should pay tribute to them as well. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister continues to insult those on the front line by not taking these issues seriously. The Prime Minister must recognise that huge mistakes have been made. Two months ago, at PMQs, I highlighted the weakness of early guidance on care homes. The Prime Minister, typically flippant, simply said it's not true. There were repeated warnings from the care sector. Repeated delays in providing protective equipment. This wasn't hindsight. They were raised here day in, day out, week in, week out. It wasn't hindsight. It was real time for the front line. Same on routine testing. And the decision to discharge 25,000 people to care homes without tests was clearly a mistake. Will the Prime Minister simply accept that his government was just too slow to act on care homes? Full stop. Mr Speaker, the, the right honourable gentleman knows very well, or he should know very well, that uh, the uh, understanding of the disease changed dramatically in the months uh, that, that, that we've had it. And uh, when, he look, when he looks at the, uh, the action plan that we brought in to help our, our, our care workers, I think he would appreciate the vast amount of work that they have done, uh, the, the, the PPE that they've been supplied with, uh, the testing that they've been supplied with. That has helped them to get the incidence of the disease down to uh, record lows. And it has enabled us to get on with our work as the government in getting this country through this epidemic, getting this country back on its feet. That's what this country wants to see. We've stuck to, we've stuck to our plan uh, to open up our economy gradually and cautiously. One week, one week he's in favour of it, the next week uh, he's against it. What this country wants to see is a steady, stable approach to getting our country back on its feet. That is what we are delivering. Finally, Mr Speaker, to add further insult to injury, there are reports this morning that the government is to remove free hospital parking for NHS workers in England. The Prime Minister will know that this could cost hundreds of pounds a month for our nurses, our doctors, our carers and our support staff. We owe our NHS workers so much. We all clap for them. We should be rewarding them, not making it more expensive to go to work. The Prime Minister must know this is wrong. Will he reconsider and rule it out? Uh, Mr Speaker, the hospital car parks are free uh, for NHS staff uh, for this pandemic. They're free now and we are going to get on with our manifesto commitment to make them free for patients who need them as well. And the House will know that that was never the case under the Labour government.
neither for staff, neither for staff, nor for patients, nor for patients. May I suggest, respectfully suggest, that he, he takes his latest bandwagon and parks it free somewhere else, Mr. Speaker. One, one week he's backing us, the next week he's not. One week he's in favour of a, of a tax on wealth and tax on homes. The next week he tries to he tries to to, 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 to tiptoe to tiptoe away from it. We know how it works. He takes one brief one week, one brief the next. Uh, he's he's consistent only in his opportunism, whereas we get on with our agenda. Build, build, build for jobs, 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 and the House will hear more about it shortly, Mr. Speaker. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, my well-known and much-loved constituent, Alan Young, died of cancer last year, having been cared for at Mighton Hospice in Warwick. And I'm sure the Prime Minister will remember the very moving uh, letter that he received from Alan's brave nine-year-old son, Tommy, uh, which Tommy read out on local radio, praising Mighton for looking after his dad and asking for them to receive support. Now, the government's providing 200 million per quarter for hospices during the current emergency, so it's very clear that the Prime Minister appreciates their work. And will he join me, Tommy, his brother Shay, and his mum Kelly, in thanking Mighton and all hospices across the country for the invaluable they care they provide to people like Alan? Mr Speaker, I do indeed uh, uh, remember that and I, and, my, and I know the thoughts and sympathies of the whole House will be with uh, Alan, uh, Alan and his family. I would like to join Tommy and Shay and Kelly uh, and indeed my honourable friend in thanking all, hospital, uh, all hospices uh, for the incredible work that they do. Let's us head to Scotland to visit the leader of the SNP, Ian Blackford. Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker, and I'm sure you, the Prime Minister, and indeed the whole House will want to join me in marking Severinitsa Memorial Day, which takes place this Saturday, and for the first time happening online. We should never forget the terrible genocide that took place 25 years ago. And can I associate myself with the concerns about Tory hospital parking charges? The SNP government abolished them in Scotland 12 years ago, and I would urge the Tory government to do the same, so NHS workers and patients will not be penalised. Mr Speaker, 3.8 million people across the United Kingdom could face unemployment when the furlough scheme ends. The job retention scheme has been a lifeline to millions, yet we could see progress unravel as the scheme ends. Millions of people could potentially find themselves out of work, struggling to pay bills and to put food on the table. Will the Prime Minister commit today to extending the furlough scheme? People must not lose their jobs because the Tories refuse to act. Uh, well, uh, Mr Speaker, I, uh, I, I think most people looking at what has happened in the UK over the last uh, three or four months uh, around the world have been overwhelmingly impressed by the way that we, uh, as a government, have put our arms around people. £164 billion invested in, in jobs, in incomes, in supporting people. It's been a massive, massive effort. I, I think, Mr Speaker, and I know that a, a lot of people in this House would agree with me, I think that you cannot in, go on uh, forever with a, a furlough scheme that keeps people, keeps employees in suspended uh, animation in, in the way that it does. Uh, we need to get our economy moving 
again. That's what I think the people of this country want to see in a sustainable and cautious way. And I would just remind him, I'm sure he's, he's constantly saying this, I would just remind him that the, the reason the, the, corona, the, the job retention scheme has worked, the furlough scheme has worked, is because of the, the power and the efficiency of the, uh, of the UK Treasury. It's the UK government that has funded uh, the, the furlough scheme and a 4.8 million, a billion I should say, in Barnet consequentials to Scotland alone. I'm, and I'm sure, I'm sure he doesn't hesitate to remind his colleagues of that. We return to Scotland again with Ian Blackford. I'm sure he'll reappear. Mr Speaker, of course, it's about the future and it's about making sure that people can be protected. Just this week, we've seen Spain look to extend their furlough scheme into 2021. Research has shown that prematurely ending the job retention scheme risks higher unemployment and weaker productivity with a potential loss of up to £50 billion to GDP. The Resolution Foundation are calling for three to five billion pounds to be spent on extending furlough payments for the hardest hit sectors. And the TUC are warning of the effect of ending the furlough scheme early would have people, would have people that are shielding in difficulties. Mr Speaker, this is about not throwing away the benefits that we have accrued. The Prime Minister seems intent on sinking the lifeboat that has been keeping so many people afloat. If the Prime Minister will not extend the furlough scheme, will he give Scotland the powers so we can do it ourselves? Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I, I think I've, I've answered the Right Honourable Gentleman's question uh, already, but, well, but perhaps I, because I, I believe it's absolutely essential that we not only uh, invest in our, our people and protect them from uh, the effects of this epidemic, as we have done, uh, a, a huge, huge expenditure, quite rightly, but it's also essential that we get the economy moving, including in Scotland, and I hope he supports that objective as well. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Does the Prime Minister agree with me and my constituents that calls from some in this House for a raid on homes, pensions and savings would hammer hard-working families and undermine Britain's economic recovery? Yeah. Uh, absolutely right, Mr Speaker. And I've been, I've been uh, amazed to hear that Labour are proposing to bring forward a, uh, a wealth tax, a tax on, on homes. Uh, new leader, same old, uh, same old Labour policies, uh, exactly what this country doesn't need. What we need is investment in people. Uh, we need investment in their wages, increasing the living wage, taking this country forward. We want a tax. They want a tax, tax, tax. We want jobs, jobs, jobs. Yeah. Let's head to Northern Ireland with Colum Eastwood. Colum Eastwood. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Given the devastating impact of Brexit on my constituency and the decades of underinvestment and neglect by successive British governments, will the Prime Minister agree to work with the Northern Ireland Executive to ensure a free port area is developed in Derry to try to address that long-term economic imbalance? And will he agree to meet with me and a delegation from the city to progress this project? Uh, I, I'm, 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 uh, I note the paradox, Mr. Speaker, that the, the honourable gentleman uh, wants a freeport in in London, Derry, uh, which is something that can only be achieved uh, by Brexit. Uh, by the way, uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to to study the plans that uh, that he proposes, and uh, and we'll see what we can do uh, to to take it forward. So, Geoffrey Clifton Brown, Mr. Speaker. The coronavirus has hit young people in work and those about to enter the jobs market particularly hard. 
Would my right honourable friend therefore continue to build on his excellent package of announcements so far so that our young people have hope and encouragement for the very best prospects to the start of their working life? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, Mr. Speaker. I, I thank my, my right honourable friend. We, we want young people to have the, 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 the self confidence and the experience of work uh, to keep learning on the job and to get the jobs that they need. And uh, if you'll wait just a few minutes, uh, he'll be hearing uh, rather more from my right honourable friend, the Chancellor, about that very matter. Let us return to Scotland and drop in on Angela Crawley. Angela Crawley. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Hundreds of my constituents have been excluded from the furlough scheme or support for self-employed due to gaps in the legislation. Barriers to this support include real-time information cut-off dates and the 50% cap on non-trading income. The government's solution to these constituents is to take out loans, which for many is untenable and will lead to unemployment and bankruptcy. Will the Prime Minister commit to widening access to these schemes for the many people left behind? Mr Speaker, I, I would just uh, tell the Honourable Lady that there are in fact 12,000 people who have taken advantage of the uh, furlough scheme in her uh, constituency, uh, getting 80% of their, uh, of, their, uh, of, their, of their income, up to £2,500 a month. It's a fantastic, it's a massive scheme. And, and, and in addition, for those that she rightly identifies who, who may have had difficulties accessing uh, furlough, uh, there is that we've also massively increased uh, universal credit, up by £1,040 for, for families across the country, in addition to a panoply of other uh, loans and grants that we have made. Nick Fletcher. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm sure the Prime Minister will join me in thanking Richard Parker, the CEO of Doncaster and Bassett Law Trust Hospital, and his staff for all their hard work during the COVID pandemic. Yet, does the Prime Minister agree with me that Doncaster needs a new hospital? And does he also believe that by building a new hospital in the town, the Government will send a clear message to the people of Don Valley that it is committed to levelling up the North. Well, Mr Speaker, I, I, I thank my honourable friend for a very apposite question because the, uh, the Health Secretary is indeed committed uh, not just to building uh, 40 new hospitals uh, but to visiting Doncaster very shortly uh, to discuss investment in healthcare in Doncaster. <laughs> Sorry, Rich Larkins. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Luton Airport provides direct funding to Luton Council and to many local charities in my constituency, but COVID-19 has hugely impacted this commercial and charitable income. Without urgent government action, Luton Council will be forced into making £22 million of in-year cuts next week. I've raised this issue repeatedly in Parliament on behalf of thousands of Lutonians. Will the Prime Minister meet with me to discuss how emergency funding for Luton Council will save crucial local services and hundreds of key workers' jobs? Well, Mr Speaker, she raises a very important issue because the, uh, the aviation industry has been very hard hit and that's why uh, we're supporting the sector in all kinds of ways, not just by supporting employees but also the, the time uh, to pay scheme and, particular, and loans from uh, the, the Bank of England and indeed the government to, to aviation. The, the best way, for, and of course we're supporting local councils as well, uh, with, with, with billions of pounds, uh, 3.2 uh, billions of pounds for, uh, for local councils. But the, the most important thing is to uh, get a medium and long-term solution that enables those airlines uh, to start flying again so that Luton Council can get the, the revenues that it needs. I, I, I perfectly understand and support the points she makes. Simon Fell. Thank you, Mr Speaker. It's been said, I hope not uncharitably, that my right honourable friends never met a bridge that didn't want to build. 
Um, off the Cumbrian coast, we've got an opportunity to steal a march with a tidal barrage which would supply 5% of the UK's energy needs in a green, sustainable way. It would leave a legacy of jobs in Copeland, Barrow and Furness and Workington and leave 7,000 jobs. It would allow us to connect communities that have got a terrible transport network at the moment with a shiny new bridge um, and it would allow us to build, build, build our way into a green revolution. Would the Prime Minister agree to meet with me and my Cumbrian colleagues to explore this deal further? Uh, well, I'm very grateful to my honourable friend for bringing that attractive idea to, to my attention. I know that several uh, projects are being considered along the, the Cumbrian coast, and I, I'd advise him first to get in touch with my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for, uh, for uh, Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, uh, to see what he can do to take it forward, and I will give what support I can. Alex Norris. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Yesterday, after a delay of over a year, the Government published their response to their call for evidence regarding violence and abuse against shop workers. In that period of time, there have been 150,000 such incidents. It's completely unacceptable. There's a lot of very good things in the Government's response, but it is disappointing that they've stopped short of a change in the law. Mr Speaker, will the Prime Minister make a commitment that if his plans don't reduce the 400-plus incidents every day within six months, he will support legislative change? Uh, Mr Speaker, I think we should have absolutely zero tolerance uh, for violence or aggression to people who work in shops, just as we have zero tolerance for uh, people who are aggressive towards those who work in our public services, and uh, we will do everything we can to ensure that is the case. Stephen Hammond. Thank you, Mr Speaker. There was a welcome relaxation of lockdown rules on Saturday, but some sectors such as health and beauty, performing arts, language schools, event providers and wedding industry are still not able to open. Could, my right, could I ask my right honourable friend if he'll publish a timetable so there can be some hope and certainty for these industries? Yeah. Uh, my right honourable friend raises a very, very important point. We, we, as he knows, on May the 10th we set out our, our plan uh, for cautiously getting our uh, economy open again, and we will be saying uh, more later this week about the next steps and the timetable that we, uh, we hope to follow. Heading to Bedford to drop in on Mohammed Yassin. Mohammed Yassin. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. A care home owner in my constituency was told, if they refuse to accept the return from a hospital of a COVID-positive patient, they would be discharged to an unfamiliar home. The procedure the owner was obliged to follow was this government's. So rather than point the finger at care workers for his failures, will the prime minister do the right thing, apologize and pay tribute to the professionalism of the care home owners, managers, and staff in Bedford who went above and beyond this government guidelines to save lives. Minister. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I, I thank the Honourable Gentleman, I, and, I, and I renew the points that I made uh, earlier on, the tribute I, I pay to, to care home workers. The particular case that he raises is, is important and, and troubling, so if he would uh, be kind enough to write to me uh, with details setting out exactly what, hap what, ha what happened, I, uh, I would be very happy to reply. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We've seen the most amazing upsurge in community spirit in this country, with hundreds of you know, thousands and millions of people coming together to support their neighbours. Does my right honourable friend agree that we need to sustain this community spirit uh, into the future? And that means supporting the social infrastructure of local places like libraries and youth clubs yeah. and community businesses. And it also means Whitehall giving away power so that finally local communities can take back control. Yeah. 
uh, well, I, I thank my, uh, my honourable friend for everything that he's done to champion the, the voluntary sector community spirit of, over many years, and I've, I've followed his, uh, his campaigns with, with, with interest and, and with support, and I, I do think there is now an opportunity to, to build on uh, the way the nation uh, came together during uh, the COVID crisis and, uh, and to, to deliver even more of the kind of projects uh, that, he, that he wants, and we will certainly be uh, putting uh, our support uh, behind those types of community initiatives. Thank you, Mr Speaker. 230,000 renters are going to be at risk of homelessness or eviction as we emerge from lockdown. Will the Prime Minister urgently today lay legislation so that cross-party we can support those people at risk of homelessness before we break up for the summer recess? Prime Minister. Uh, well, I'm, I'm grateful to the uh, Honourable Lady, and uh, she's right to draw attention to one of the most remarkable features of the COVID crisis, which was the way uh, the, the country and, and the government were able to help uh, thousands and thousands of homeless people uh, to find accommodation. Uh, and we saw in other countries where uh, they, they were less fortunate, there were, I'm afraid, serious epidemics amongst uh, the homeless. Thankfully, uh, we have uh, so far avoided that. And uh, we are taking forward plans with Dame Louise Casey, uh, with uh, my Ryan friend, the Shadow, uh, the, uh, the Secretary of State for, uh, for Communities and Local Government. Uh, we are taking forward plans to ensure that the, the 15,000 uh, do not just come back onto the streets, but we do everything we can to uh, stamp out homelessness in this country. Wild. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Kingsland serves over 300,000 people across Norfolk, Cambridgeshire, and Lincolnshire. In the 40th anniversary, of a hospital only built to last 30 years, does my right honourable friend agree that the dedication shown by staff in responding to coronavirus deserves to be recognised by including the Queen Elizabeth in our new hospital building programme? Uh, Mr. Speaker, I, of course, this government was elected to build 40 new hospitals, and that is what we can—that's uh, what we are going to do. Uh, my right, my honourable friend, the uh, Secretary of State for Health, will be setting out the list. But I can also tell him that Queen Elizabeth Hospital was awarded nine million pounds in October for urgent upgrades to protect vital frontline care, and I'm sure that he will understand that further long-term solutions are now under active consideration. John Scott. Well, thank you, Mr Speaker, and thank you, Prime Minister, for getting things moving on the disclosure and barring scheme. It was also good to hear the Prime Minister belatedly adopting the policy of jobs, jobs, jobs. But does he mean jobs in the UK or in France, Poland, Germany, Korea and China? Because it's all very well announcing, for example, blue passports. But those are now not being produced in the North East, but by a French company in a Polish factory. So, Prime Minister, will you now take back control and give instructions to the Treasury, to the Cabinet Office, to, to Whitehall and town, and town halls to, actu to actually buy British and, and protect British jobs, jobs, jobs? Well, Mr Speaker, my, my, my honourable friend behind me says from a sedentary position, what's he got against Poland? Uh, we, we believe we, we, we are creating, we, are, we, will, we will create hundreds of thousands of jobs in this country. We will actively uh, buy British. Uh, we will ensure that contracts go to great British companies, Mr Speaker. But what we will not do, what we will not do is turn our faces against the notion of international 
uh, free trade uh, and, 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 and the market that has brought colossal wealth to the people of this country. Those are the politics, those are the economics of the madhouse, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, to avoid drama later, we need to complete the process of getting Brexit done in the next few months. So will my right honourable friend therefore please confirm for the benefit of everyone listening that nothing in the Northern Ireland Protocol will be allowed to stop the United Kingdom charging our own tariffs for the whole United Kingdom from the 1st of January 2021. Uh, yes, Mr Speaker, not a sausage, not a jot, not a, not a tittle of the uh, Northern Irish Protocol will uh, provide any such impediment to the unfettered access uh, of goods and services between uh, all parts of the UK. It's several Roberts. Mr Speaker, I am totally on board with the Prime Minister's rhetoric that for too long money has piled into the south-east corner of this island and investment is needed now to bolster and boost universal confidence. Can he explain, therefore, why his Welsh Secretary took to Twitter this week to argue that Wales is too poor with too few businesses and taxpayers to be successful? Surely he can't condone the Secretary of State for Wales off-message pessimism. Uh, Mr. Mr. Speaker, I have seldom uh, met anybody who is more uh, boosterish for the future of Wales uh, than the Secretary of State uh, for Wales, and that is because uh, this Government is absolutely committed to uh, levelling up throughout the whole UK, uh, in Wales and everywhere, with infrastructure, uh, with investment uh, in education and in, and in technology. And we will do the things, uh, by the way, that the Welsh Government has failed uh, to do, the Welsh Labour Government, I, I, I might say. Uh, uh, such, as, uh, such as unlocking the Bryn Glass tunnels, uh, Mr. Speech, unblocking the Bryn Glass tunnels, uh, allowing that proper M4 bypass, which has long been needed, uh, unblocking the. We will, we will provide the VIX inhaler, Mr. Speaker, to the nostrils of the Welsh dragon and get Wales moving. Are you trying to put the fire out of the dragon? <laughs> <laughs>